This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 28, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The individual mandate is only constitutional if it's a tax. The linchpin of the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, is not allowable under the Commerce Clause, but the Supreme Court says it is allowable under Congress's taxing power. The problem with that, according to Cato Institute Legal Affairs Vice President Roger Pilon, is that the tax is supporting other unconstitutional activity. Well, this decision was certainly a disappointment. Uh, We had hoped that the whole thing would be found unconstitutional. As it turns out, it's mostly constitutional, except for the small Medicaid point that was made in the course of the opinion. The surprise was that um, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, who joined the four liberals on the court, decided the case under the taxing power, not the commerce power. In fact, One of the good things to come from this was that the commerce power argument, coupled with the necessary and proper argument, does not carry the day. But that's a tiny victory because the Commerce Clause was used in this case to regulate inactivity. And how often does Congress try to regulate inactivity? In fact, to the best of the knowledge of anybody who's looked at it, this is the first time it's ever happened and certainly the first time that it's appeared before the Supreme Court. So what Roberts did was focus on the taxing power. But the problem there is that the taxing power is merely an instrumental power through which Congress obtains the money that's necessary to carry out its other enumerated powers. You look through those 18 other enumerated powers and you will see no power to enact Obamacare or anything close to it. And so we've got this tax which is being used for that purpose, which itself is not authorized by the Constitution. And if I may add insult to that injury, what kind of a tax is it? It's not an income tax. It's not an excise or an impost or any of the other kinds of taxes that are recognized by the Constitution, and in particular by the taxing power. And it certainly isn't uniform throughout the United States, as the taxing power requires. So what kind of a tax is it? Moreover, let me add this final point before I stop, and that's this. If it were a tax which the administration, during the course of litigation, has denied that it was, then presumably it would be subject to the Anti-Injunction Act, which prohibits the court from hearing the case at all until the tax has been imposed, which won't be for another couple of years. So there is so much that is wrong with this opinion that one hardly knows whether to call it a respectable opinion or not. And I say that not having read it closely, just reacting to the initial reports of it and the parts that I have read. And so it seems to me that there's lots more to be gleaned from this opinion, and it will not be happy from a constitutional perspective. Chief Justice Roberts writes, it makes going without insurance just another thing the government taxes, like buying gasoline or earning income. But as you've just pointed out here, uh, inactivity is not like earning income or buying gasoline. Sure, if it were, then presumably we could tax uh, indolence, could we not? Um, We could require people to work and tax them if they didn't. Of course, how they'd pay for it if they didn't work is a separate question. In any event, no, this opinion is just so curious 
Uh, and I would note this too, that it rests, as Chief Justice Roberts said, on our precedents. Well, of course, the precedents only go back to the New Deal. For 150 years, this was not the court's understanding of the taxing power. Indeed, this understanding of it was addressed by James Madison, the principal author of the Constitution, in Federalist 41, and on several occasions on the floor of the House when he served in the House of Representatives. And he's made it very clear that there is no independent power to tax and spend for the general welfare or for anything else other than what is authorized to Congress to spend on. And so what we've done is jettisoned one of the core principles of the Constitution in light of the precedent that was set by the lawless New Deal court after Roosevelt's infamous court-packing threat. Some commentators were predicting well before uh, this case was decided that we might have eight to one. Obviously, Clarence Thomas uh, envisions something before the New Deal when it comes to uh, congressional power. We have five to four, and those four rejected the act in its entirety. Is that perhaps a, a, a small victory of some sort? Well, it may sound like grasping at straws, but the legal professoriate, 95% of whose members thought that this case was a slam dunk under the commerce power, have found that it wasn't, after all. In fact, five members of the court found that you could not use the commerce power to regulate inactivity, Chief Justice Roberts' words. And so, 95% of the professoriate will have to go back and rewrite their articles, if not their con law casebooks. Roger Pallon is Vice President for Legal Affairs at the Cato Institute. You can check our blog, Cato at Liberty, for up-to-the-minute discussion about this ruling. You can also check our website, cato.org.